off the ball. He said he was going to come, and I said, listen, Johnny, you don't have to come. I mean, I think Laura just, you know, I think they were having another child at the time. I said, Johnny, honestly, you don't have to come. And he was like, no, I'll be there. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports Okay, we're in London And I'm sweating the bit out at the minute <laughs> Because uh, we're after I've never done an interview like this Where I've been sweating after, after playing a bit of football <laughs> But uh, I'm joined by the former Premier League footballer England international and uh, fashion icon Apparently. Jermaine Genus How are you keeping Jermaine? <laughs> I, I'm very well, thank you for that intro Absolutely to. Talk to me about the, the gear, Dare to Be So you've, you've got this autumn, winter collection yeah. at the minute um, Lovely clothes yeah. And I guess for a man like who's on TV as much as yourself With Correct. football punditry and the one show and everything else you got to look good Clothes matter they always have done uh, when it comes to me it's it's a it's just another kind of like wing to how I feel on any given day I always want to kind of dress uh, as smart as I can in terms of like I feel like it affects my personality on every any given day or any given show that I'm on uh, and you know this collection I hope kind of like represents that whether it's kind of as it is right now quite a warm <laughs> autumn winter um, but either way kind of the options that I feel like um, we've put together are you know not only really kind of like smart, but the way that they kind of like fit and and also feel is is, is a big thing to me. So yeah, I'm really happy with it. What's the favourite bit of clothing? I, I've one of the coats myself, which uh, I was thinking oh, it's nearly November. The coat's going to be perfect for this, uh, for yeah. this afternoon. But no, it's a bit warm. But uh, is, some yeah. lovely pieces of clothing you've got. No, there. yeah, the parkas are great. A um, couple of the gilets are nice as well. The fleeces feel uh, you know sensational. So. All of those kind of like winter coats um, that we've got in the range, we've got kind of like some short jacket ones. One of, one of the ones is my, uh, it's like a green with a cream top, it's really f- like a, in a split colour, is one of my favourites. Um, but yeah, honestly, you know, people need to go and check out the collection because uh, there's some really nice stuff in there. So it's Dare to Be for people who, who are Dare to Be, up, yeah. get on there, they're on Instagram and everything, there's a website on there, you can just shop the Jermaine Genus edit and um, yeah, go and... Get your pieces, send them to me so I can see you all wearing it. The Christmas presents. Yeah, sort of early. Uh, speaking of work, you were working last night in, uh, in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jesus, the, the last couple of minutes. Yeah, it was we're, we're fairly medal. What, like, what's your take on, on something like that when it happens? When Ken thinks he's won, there's a three and a half minute pause in the stadium. Yeah, it's one of those kind of like double edged swords with VAR. Um, in, with my, my opinion on it, is still that if anything takes that long, then you're not 100% sure. Yeah. Um, and it's that tie. And people always talk about, oh, well, the line's this and the line's that. And the lines can't be 100% accurate because somebody has to draw those lines on. So it, it's where they determine when the ball's been headed where the, and also kind of where they draw the line on that ball or on that person. You know, it, 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 it's all kind of subjective. Mm. And I think when it gets that close, I think historically is where all the issues come with VAR. Yeah. Um, and football's about moments and that was a special moment and you know people might sit here and go well you got your Tottenham hat on blah 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 but you know if it was the other way around I'd, I wouldn't have wanted that taken away from sporting either because I just think that is what football is you live and breathe those moments but um, the reality is they didn't deserve the win mm-hmm. I thought they did well in the second half but you know unfortunately we're here again talking about VAR kind of like ruining a game of football but um it's just the way it seems to be when we when we kind of have it either in the Premier League or the Champions League. Uh, that man we mentioned, Harry Kane, will of course be leading the line for England in the in the World Cup coming up. Um, 
Euro Euro finalists so close to, to getting mm. that duck uh, and winning a major tournament trophy. But how do you feel England are, are set up at the minute? Like, do you think there will be any, I guess, surprise additions to, to Gareth Southgate's squad at this stage? I think there'll definitely be a couple of surprises, uh, whether it's forced on by by injury or necessity. Mm. I, I think one of the big components I see as an issue in this team is not enough goals in it. Um, some very good players yeah. but there's not enough goals there's not, not enough players that have scored goals for England you know Sterling scores goals for England Harry Kane scores goals for England after that it's pretty bleak you've just got really good footballers like Foden and Grealish Mason Mount has got, you know, got a couple of goals but I think the number um, that you would like to be taken to a major tournament of players that have, uh, have done it and scored goals at the highest level you'd like a couple more so I think it's, that's why I think it's so difficult to ignore someone like James Madison mm. Because he just he's delivering week in week out. He's scoring goals. He's a threat. He's creating. He's creating chances. I I don't see how Gareth doesn't put him in the squad personally. I guess there's a, there's a bit of time left, and we of course have to see what what uh, squads teams pick. But if I had to put you on the spot now, how, how far do you think England could or will go, and who do you think is going to win the tournament overall? Um, I think semi final um, is always. Uh, everyone seems to say the same thing with England. Um, the thing about semi finals is once you get there. You need a bit of luck, yeah. Um, because inevitably, I think to win this competition, you need to win a penalty shootout at some point, um, which we did okay with, obviously in the Euros and up until the final. The yeah, I, I, it's it's one of those situations with England where we're just we're going into it in a weird place, mm. you know, off the back of a Euros final, but then everything since then has been pretty dire and pretty kind of like poor Nations League campaign. Yeah. Correct, yeah, poor Nations League campaign, um, players in and out of form. Big injuries to Reese James and Kyle Walker when we've already got a weakened defence anyway. So we're going into it with problems, um, which I, I don't know which one Gareth Southgate would prefer. I don't know whether he prefers kind of going into it with the everyone thinking we're going to win it because we've got to a final, or actually he can surprise a few and go in there as as more of an underdog. Uh, the winner, I, I've got a feeling Argentina are going to win it. I think it's, it's going to be one of the South American right. sides. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just got this feeling for Messi. I don't know what it is. I just feel like Argentina, after the back of winning the Copa America, the players that they have in their team as well, they've had a couple of injuries themselves. Obviously, I think um, Dybala has got his in got an injury. I don't know if Di Maria is going to be fit or not, but they've got some really good players uh, in their ranks, and they've got that kind of like robust nature that you're going to need in a in a World Cup. Yeah, it could be written in the stars if, if Messi could go and win it. Yeah. Uh, like uh, Ronaldo as well as another man who wants to, mm. to get to the World Cup and get some game time in beforehand. What did you make of the whole? Refusing to play, refusing to come off the bench. Yeah, like the, it was a bizarre situation. Have you ever seen the, the likes of that in a football pitch yourself? Or well, yeah, this this is the kind of crazy thing. Um, I mean, I've seen players do it lo loads of times, and I just think because it's Ronaldo, it gets blown up. The, the bottom line of it is that Ronaldo, um, Manchester United, caused caused their own issues. You know, Ronaldo categorically stated that he didn't want to be at the football club um, at the end of last year for whatever reason. Uh, a move wasn't available to him. And I think what we're seeing is just a complete lack of um, you know, communication. I think with a player like Ronaldo, you need to be in constant communication, getting him in the office kind of like before the season starts, asking him kind of like what he wants. And people might say, well, you know, we're Manchester United, you don't pander to someone like Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, you know, this is, this is the result of that. You have to communicate with the biggest players. And um, yeah, it may look like he's just kind of like throw his toys out the pram, but mm. he cares. He's a winner and you don't want to sit there on the bench and then come on for two minutes like he's a 17-year-old. You know, that is not Cristiano Ronaldo. So 
is it one of those situations that as a professional you want to see? No. You know, I think his teammates will look at it and be a bit like, come on, Cristiano, we're a team, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Do I understand it? 100%. He's the best, he's one of the best players in the world and should be treated with a bit more respect, I think, than what he's been shown. And I guess, look, disarray happens at football clubs every yeah. now and again. Like, I was going to ask And he's him, not the first person to do it. No, So of it's like, it's just, it's just, it's Ronaldo. That is it. And everyone blows it, blows it up. Loads of players have turned around to the managers and gone, you're having a laugh. Yeah. Like, you're not putting me on with like a minute to go. It happens all the time. I mean, you were at Newcastle when, when Lee Boyer and Kieran Dyer had their little, their little <laughs> moment. I mean, what, like, what's going through a, a teammate's head when you're, when you're looking at something like that happening? Like, maybe it's boiling up and training anyway and you're kind of not that, that surprised. Was, that, but that was a scary thing about that it wasn't every right. morning me Kieran Dyer Craig Bellamy Lee Bowyer Jonathan Woodgate used to sit and have breakfast together every single morning in training <laughs> we're on the same table every day we all got on really well and it just like footballers want to win they care and it, you know we've just had a game out there today and every now and again it just spills over a little bit a tackle flies in you know someone nearly lost their ankle in the last minute we were on the same team luckily. we were on the same team thankfully but that is what and so you can imagine at elite level the emotions that are riding within all that and if you're not playing well and you know you're not playing well um, then it doesn't take a lot for it to spill over uh, they yeah I mean they, they were friends it was weird it was a really weird looking from the outside kind of at what was going on it was just surreal it was like is this even happening but <laughs> look they sorted it out I just think it's, re it's really unfortunate for both of them that you know they, they were both top top players and yeah Again, we spoke about moments with football, and this is just one of those iconic moments <laughs> in football in Premier League history that is never going to go away yeah, for them. Still talked about exactly. Um, like in terms of the greatest midfielders you've ever played with, uh, like obviously aside from myself tonight, <laughs> you don't have to say that. No pressure. Well, like yeah. obviously Roy King comes into the conversation a lot in Ireland. Um, yeah. like where does he rank? And maybe in terms of players you played against or with, who's well, your who's top of your list? Yeah, with Roy. Um, obviously, I'm a Nottingham Forest fan. Um, so I was always a huge admirer of, of Roy Keane, uh, big, big fan of his, but I probably didn't get the best version of Roy Keane. I still got an unbelievable version of mm. Roy Keane. And um, I think I came into the Premier League, what, 2002, three. you know, they were still winning league titles and yeah. still going for Champions Leagues and stuff. But I think that's probably... Thinking back, it's about when his fallouts was, was starting to rumble and stuff like that. But I'll never forget, we had a game at St. James's Park and kind of like everybody, as a young midfielder, you always wanted to test yourself against the best. And Vieira and Kim were the best. And um, I remember going in for this tackle at St. James's Park and thinking, oh yeah, I've really kind of like laid one on there. And he just, he just gave me a really good like smile, like to say, I've, I've had to deal with this my whole life. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But, um, one of the things with Roy as well, he just underrated a player. I think people always had him as this kind of like hard man, but when I came up against him, so intelligent, really good passer of the ball, dictated the pace of the game, um, tough, tough player to play against. Um, when it comes about to the best, Vieira would be right up there, uh, and Gerard probably is the two that I played against that gave me the toughest time. Um, with I always say Luka Modric was the best player I played with, yeah. Of course. Like, when you see those players of that generation, the, the Gerrards and Lampards getting into management, mm. uh, like Stephen has obviously had a tough time uh, with Villa uh, of late until he lost the job, but yeah. does, does that ever whet your appetite for getting into to coaching and management, or are you happy in the, the media sphere and, and kind of going down that pathway? Do you ever get the, the urge to get back into the game the, directly? Or? Yeah, the itch is always there. It never goes away as a footballer. I think you're always, especially when you're in my line of work in terms of like an, analysing games and, and, and talking on it. And it's all, you know, it, it, the honest truth is, you know, it's easy kind of doing what we do. 
sitting up there and, and and talking about a game of football. Not everybody can analyse a game of football and you know and put it across in, put it across in a way that people understand. But what Stevie does, what Frank's doing, what Patrick Vieira is doing, or what those guys are doing on the touchline is the difficult thing. And what Stevie's just been through, for example, is part and parcel of being a manager. And you know those failures are going to help Stevie become the best manager he can be. Um, and for me personally, I got a really young family. Um, and post my career, you know, they were there for me and it was just important that I kind of reconnected with them and uh, that was the decision at that particular time. You know, it's definitely a never say never type thing, but yeah. I'm, I, I, I really enjoy what I do in the media and kind of with the one show as well <laughs> and football and match of the day. It's like I've got such a kind of variety of things that I do. It'd be hard to give up. Well, you mentioned the one show. Like, I guess you have that balance now of magazine type show and mm. sports. Like, do you have any interviewees that you're thinking, "Geez, that's they're top of my list," and I want to, I definitely want to speak to them at some point, whether whether it be football or or in, in the one show. You know terms. what? I don't like. That's the beauty, I think, of what I what I do. I'm really, really fortunate in the fact that my dream was to be a professional footballer, and I live that dream. And I, I and it's it's something that I'm sure kind of any kids listening to this or or, or reading it or whatever will. Um, they all aspire to to do it and to step onto the the, the biggest kind of like uh, pitches and the biggest moments. And I was so fortunate to do that. So when I'm kind of in the studio and I'm talking, I don't know, to Tom Hanks, whoever it may be, The Rock, whatever. Like talk about a flex, Tom Hanks. I the mean, rock, I that's what I'm saying. It's like I. I don't know, it's weird. It's like I should feel really, really nervous, but I'm just really excited more than anything. I'm just like, this is mad. Like, how am I in this room? One minute I'm like playing football for Tottenham and then the next minute I'm like in this other room doing this other thing. Um, but luckily enough, it's a skill set that I've developed. Uh, I love it to bits. And it really does, like you said, give me that nice balance of kind of sometimes shifting away from football and just going, kind of going into the entertainment world to see kind of like what that's like. I've got a quote from Castaway tattooed on my arm here, so I'm totally, oh, totally go. jealous of Tom Hanks <laughs> one, absolutely. Yeah, he's one of the best. Definitely. We mentioned Roy Keane, the other Keane, Robbie. I mean, yeah. what a player. And like Republic of Ireland's leading goal scorer of all time. Like what was, yeah. to, to play with Robbie at that period in mm. that Spurs team, everyone, I think everyone, regardless of who you support, thinks back to that, that era mm. of Spurs and, and, and loves thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, what was Robbie like to play with him as a person? Um, yeah, arguably the most intelligent footballer I played with on the pitch. Um, he was always... I remember the kind of when I arrived at the club, looked after me straight away. You know, made sure in terms of kind of like where I was living, the people that I was around, and um, you know, going out and make sure, making sure like my partner and family was okay and stuff like that was always great. Um, yeah, I couldn't. You couldn't ask for more really from a player and a captain uh, in a team. Ledley was a club captain, but he was injured a lot, mm. so Keener kind of like ran things and. Um, Go, I, I'm, I'm kind of grateful when I, when I look at uh, things now once he's retired that he's kind of getting the respect that he, that he deserves because what he did in, in an island shirt I mean if it happens again I'll be surprised <laughs> I really will be surprised and it just shows the level of footballer that, um, that, was, was, de that was developed you know, within, in the country at that particular time and that's testament to him you know, how long he played in his career um, and everywhere he went, he scored goals and, yeah. and did magical things. And his, his fans all over the country, and especially like whether it's America or you know Ireland, England, have all got a story, a great story about Robbie Keane. Uh, and that's on and off the pitch as well, because he's a great player, 
but he's a top guy as well and um, yeah he's, he's one of those kind of players that I don't see enough of anymore but whenever we see each other we always kind of have a nice embrace have a couple of drinks and uh, have a good night I mean 68 goals for the Republic of Ireland which is which is quite extraordinary but mm. when you see when you, you talk about Modric and like telepathic almost between yeah. himself and say the likes of Benzema it felt like the same with, with yourself yeah, and strikers like Robbie like, it, it must feel so nice when you're on, on a pitch Premier League level mm. and you're you're on the same wavelength as a footballer like yeah. a striker like that yeah I mean our games just matched really did because I used to love making runs in behind and he used to love coming dropping into midfield and, and creating things and, ma- and, and making passes uh, and Berber would be the one Berbatov would be the one that would kind of like pin a defender a little bit further back so they were quite happy for me to do all their running <laughs> and try and break the lines um, but sometimes you have those moments in your career where you meet these players and you don't realise how short it's going to be I had a similar thing at Newcastle with Kieran Dyer and Gary Speed in midfield and then I met it again when I met Robbie obviously and um, that understanding of just looking at somebody they don't say a word but I know what they want me to do uh, it's a rare thing and um, yeah we developed it for a good couple of years at Spurs and that's why we had like you know that, the, the success that we did together at the time I suppose you need a good manager as well to, to kind of nurture you and, and help you grow as, as a footballer I know Bobby Robson would have been for example someone very close yeah. to you I mean even when he le- left Newcastle I guess that was that was a difficult yeah. thing for you but but what, what a man and I'm sure he had a well, big impact on your career yeah I mean well the first World Cup I remember was Italian 90 <laughs> and um, you know I will never forget the day whenever people talk about kind of moments in my career I'll, I'll never forget kind of going into Nottingham Forest and my manager telling me look there's been three bids in I think it was Manchester United had bid three million Leeds had bid five and then uh, Newcastle had bid five and it was like right New- the car from Newcastle is basically here <laughs> uh, and once I'm in the car Bobby Robson rings my phone and uh, I just, I'm just like 18 years old talking to Bobby Robson and he was so excited and it was um yeah, it was a pleasure to play under him. He was he was like a father figure. He really was uh, for me. And then, obviously, not only him getting sacked, but then when we lost him, um, it was it was tough times. Yeah, because we were we were close um, as as manager player, but obviously kind of like man and youngster, mm. so to speak. Father figure. Yeah. And um, finally, Jermaine, I mean, you think back on your career and there's been so many good moments, mm. uh, incredible moments. Uh, there's no point asking about regrets. I know footballers, when they retire, they're often yeah. asked about regrets. There's probably no point thinking like that. Mm. When you think back to certain moments, do you have any moments in particular that stand out for you, whether it be a goal or uh, getting picked for a team, whether it be underage, you know, as a schoolboy? Uh, are there any big moments that kind of stand out as something that maybe I'm putting you on the spot here? But No, yeah, I know what you mean. No, like the, the, the moment I always think about is. Um, there was a little moment under Capello where I feel like my England career could have gone in a different direction and um, you know I'd kind of got wind that he really liked me as a player in our first game we played against Switzerland scored he started the game as well and scored Uh, and then the next game was France away and uh, I remember one day Ramos pulling me and kind of going look JJ um, rest your ankle because we've, we've won the League Cup we're not. We're, we're already kind of in European places anyway. So the big thing you're going for is just to play for England now mm. and get yourself cemented in that team. So he says, "We'll manage your ankle and just make sure you're 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 picked and playing." And then I was like, "Okay." I thought I thought everyone was on the same wavelength. I thought, right, my England career is really kicking off here. It's the World Cup, I think, in a couple of years in South Africa. Uh, and then the the game against France comes and the squad gets announced. I'm not even in the squad. I've gone from like scoring, playing really well in this game and uh, to not even being in the squad and then it's when he did his whole thing about if you don't play on a Saturday then you're not um, you, then you're not fit to play for England type thing and, and it was just like a miscommunication type situation and I, I was angry very angry at the time and uh, 
yeah, it didn't go kind of like well from there between myself and Capello. Really, it was just a bit downhill, and it, that is it's a shame. Really, it's not really a regret because I didn't, I didn't feel like I did anything wrong. I was preparing to, to really kick my kickstart my England career, but the reality is you got to you, just, you, you know you got to be good enough, and you've got to be uh, you've got to get yourself back in that kind of like frame of mind to get yourself in the team. And I didn't do that, so. It was, it was a tough moment to take. Um, I'm probably one that if I had got to live it again, might have gone a little bit different. But um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was one that I look back on and kind of go, yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't mind another go at that. Absolutely, I can imagine. Well, listen, Jermaine, you've been great with your time. You've had an extraordinary career on the pitch. Great to see you doing so well as Thank well in the, in the punditry game. Uh, so remind people, it's autumn, winter, clothing line, dare to be, that's two, the digit two, dot IE, so people can pick up your clothes. And This is a radio and podcast interview, but people can, of course, uh, we get a couple of photographs and we'll throw them up and people can, can see how good they look. Exactly. Uh, so, Jermaine, brilliant pleasure as always. Thanks a million. Thank you very much, Willie. Bye. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports